0: Let's take a moment and pray before we turn our attention to the Scriptures this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would be at the center of my heart this morning. I pray that you would be at the center of your church, the center of the heart of every person who is here this morning who has faith and trust in you and who has made that known openly and become part of your body. And I pray that you would be at the center of the hearts of people who have not yet come to faith, who have not yet expressed openly their trust in you. I pray that you would Become the center of more and more hearts and lives until the great day that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are the Lord of all. Would you do this work through your scriptures this morning? We pray. Amen. Jesus said, uh, something about what's possible and what's impossible. Uh, in the Gospels, he has a conversation with a a young man who is wealthy and unwilling to let go of his wealth, and, and uh, his disciples hear that conversation, and they say, Lord, it seems like it's impossible for anybody to come to know God in a life-giving way. And Jesus' response is, humanly speaking, yes, that's impossible. But with God, it is possible. I want us to keep that in mind as we explore our mission statement as a church uh, over these several weeks. Um, there it is, reminder for us. We want to see people changed by the grace that's made available through Christ, known in a community that's marked by love and forgiveness, among other things. And sent into the world to restore what has been broken by human selfishness and sin. Um, One way to react to that statement is to say, can we scale that back a little bit? Because it seems kind of too big. Could we settle for just knowing, people knowing more about grace but not really being changed by it? Because I think we can do that. Or or what if we just kind of knew each other in a superficial kind of community and didn't really go deep? Because we can do that. That's not as hard. (laughs) And what if instead of being sent by Jesus into the world to restore broken things, we just kind of leisurely wander out into the world at our own pace and do what comes comfortably to us? (laughs) Because we can do that. Why do we want to scale it back? Well, because we're thinking about what's possible for us, what we can do. Um, But what if we weren't limited by our capacities? What if we weren't limited by human ability? What if there was something powerful at work that could really transform us? That's the message behind this morning's scripture readings, one from John chapter 13 another from Colossians chapter 3. We're going to hear Jesus and we're going to hear his messenger, the Apostle Paul, uh, call us to be known in a community that's marked by love and forgiveness, a kind of love and forgiveness that really is made possible by the love and forgiveness that Jesus has extended to us. We're going to hear two different voices, they're saying exactly the same thing, whether it's Jesus or whether it's Paul, that we can be known in this kind of community because of what Jesus has done for us. Let's listen as Donna comes and reads for us.
1: So today's scripture readings are from John 13 and Colossians 3, first from John. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And from Colossians Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. So, a little bit of um, history this morning athletic history. Uh, World record in the high jump. Shall we uh, keep going? That's a little over six feet. The world record in the high jump is um, eight feet and one quarter inch. A human being. (laughs) (laughs) Jumping over that with no springs in his shoes, a a Cuban man named uh, Javier Sotomayor, 1993 set the world record in the high jump. It looks like an impossibly high standard. I mean, you could ask me to jump over that all you want. I it won't happen. Like you could command me to do it. You could tell me I never get to wear a bow tie again if I don't. It wouldn't motivate me, right? You could tell me this, the Cardinals will win the, Saint, the, the World Series every year from now until eternity. If you'll just jump over it, wouldn't help. The standard is high, impossibly high. That's where we'll start this morning by thinking about what we're called to do in the scripture text that we've heard from this morning. Um, It sounds like an impossibly high standard, doesn't it? John 13, 34, a new commandment. I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you, Jesus says. And just in case we weren't clear, he repeats it. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Um. And then in Colossians 3, we get this description, not of a new commandment, but now it's new clothing. You know, put off the old clothing and put on the new clothing. Put off this old self, the ESV translates it as. The word is is the old human, the old person, the old way of being human, the old humanity. Put on a new way of being human, a new kind of humanity. Um, and... Uh, We're told what that involves. It involves forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. And then, in case we missed it, it's repeated. So you also must forgive. Well, okay, both Jesus and Paul, same message, expressing it in the same way, do this. Here's the standard. Remember to do it according to that standard. And the standard is love one another as Jesus loved us. Forgive one another as Jesus forgave us. Live in a community that is marked by love and forgiveness. And it's uh, willing to pay the cost of forgiveness and reconciliation. Costly love. And the standard is the costly love of Jesus. The costly forgiveness that he has extended to us, Perfect love, perfect forgiveness. Yeah, it sounds like you're asking me to clear eight feet. It's impossibly high. Just when I think about what we're asked to do, let's now think about who is asked to do it. People who are so broken that it seems impossible for us to start loving each other in this way. It seems impossible for us to forgive one another and live in this kind of relationship and community. Why? Well, because individually we are selfish and as groups we are divided. Individually we are selfish. Jesus has to command us to love one another. Jesus doesn't ever command us to breathe. Why? We're naturally good at it. We will do that without having to think about it. The fact that Jesus has to command us to love one another is the first hint that naturally we aren't going to do it that way at all. Naturally, we're going to be selfish. Naturally, we have this old way of being human, the old self, Colossians describes it as. And that old way of being human is naturally self-centered, self-focused. How do we know? Well, here's just one example the Apostle Paul gives it's interesting that he would choose this one, right? So, so we're, we're in this context of talking about putting off the old way of being human and putting on the new way of being human. And how did he introduce that? Beginning of verse 9 do not lie to one another. You want to know whether we're selfish enough to try to twist all of reality in, in a way that would benefit us, even if it harms other people? Look at lying. Look at the way we distort the truth so that we come out ahead without worrying how other people get impacted by it, whether that's on a small scale or a large scale. Naturally, we are prone to lying. Naturally, we are prone to the kind of selfishness that would make us twist truth about reality so that we come out ahead even if it hurts other people, even if it results in injustice or harm to another. And, to make things worse, this is just one of many practices that we engage in because of this kind of selfish way of being human. Right, uh, verse 9, "...do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices." We could keep going. Lying is just one example of this kind of selfishness of the old humanity, the the old way of being human that has been practiced by everyone since Adam and Eve until the new way of being human came through Jesus. Okay, that's us kind of individually selfish. Now let's look at us as groups, divided It's going to be hard for us to love one another and to forgive one another because we are impossibly divided. Paul begins to list groups of people, this kind of us-them mentality, uh, the assumption, our people are superior to your people. And he lists some of these groups and names them, right? Here, in this new way of being human, under Jesus, as the head of a new humanity, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Well, listen to the ways that we divide ourselves as as a human race, right? Greeks would have looked down at Jews and said, we're the sophisticated ones and you are the backward atheists. You only believe in one God. We have thousands of God's how ignorant of you. Look at our sophisticated way of life, um, circumcised and uncircumcised. Jewish people would have been uh, you know, tempted to say, we are the faithful remnant, the circumcised ones, and the fact that you're uncircumcised proves that you are godless idolaters. We are superior to you. We're smaller than you. Uh, you know, we don't have as much political power, but we are better than you because you are the pagans. And then Paul starts to talk about the ways that that um, culture divides people when he uses this language of barbarian. Well, barbarian was a, Greek, uh, a, a way that Greek-speaking people described other people who didn't speak Greek. Your language sounds like blah, 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 blah. You're the blah, blah, people, the barbarians. You don't share our language. You don't share our culture. Therefore, we are superior to you. And then when Paul mentions Scythians, well, they were proverbial for being not even human in the ancient world. These are people who lived outside the Roman Empire. Kind of think um, Iran, uh, Ukraine, southwestern Russia, um, Kazakhstan. The... This kind of area. And, and one historian from the time of the Bible said, you know, th- these people are little better than wild beasts. They don't even share our humanity. Some people don't share our culture, our language, so we're superior to them. Some people, they're so backward that we're not even sure that they're human. And then Paul continues it by contrasting slave and free. In the ancient world, And in many centuries since, people have been tempted to divide the world into those who are real citizens, whose lives really matter, and those who are only living tools. That is the human race. Um, About 30 years ago, I started reading about a phenomenon that I had never had a chance to see an example of in person, but this summer... um, during our time in the UK, I spent some time in a museum in Oxford and saw a tombstone. Um, it's about this tall, and it's from just a couple of decades after the writing of Colossians. And it's, it's a tombstone for a young man who has died. He is um, sitting down and being Sent on his journey to the afterworld by a friend who is standing and speaking with him. You see that kind of handshake of friendship or a, a bond that can't be broken even by death. And then what you notice at the bottom, and this is what I've been reading about for 30 years and never saw it until I came across this, are these two very small children or maybe they're little angels, or maybe they're... No, what they actually are, and this is a common pattern in Greek art, those are slaves. We're the free citizens. We matter, so our pictures are big. And we matter so much that we have other living tools around us who aren't even really human, and they don't matter, so their pictures are really small. That's just one example of what human beings are naturally like. We naturally do things like lying, twisting the truth so that we come out ahead, and we naturally tend to want to divide the world into people who are superior and those who are inferior. Um, Those are the kind of people, the kind of people who produce this sort of art, right? Right? People like you and me. It would be easy for us to sit here and say, well, I would never think like that. Yes, you would. You just have a different way of dividing the world up. You may not do it by slave and free or Scythian and barbarian. but, But we all have this tendency, this old humanity way of viewing the world. And it's people like you and me who are asked to love one another and to forgive one another at this level that just seems... Jesus, you can't ask people like me to love others. You can't ask me to forgive people like them. There is good news. There's always good news from Jesus. That none of this is impossible because there is an impossibly great power at work we are asked to do something that seems impossible. And the people asked to do it makes it seem like there's no way. But the one who is asking us isn't just telling us we have to do this. right? You don't just tell someone they got to go jump eight feet. You train them over decades. You you find precise ways to tune every muscle. You find precise ways ways to, to, um, to design every meal, sleep patterns, you measure heart rates, you do everything it takes to help that person get over that bar. Jesus is like that. Human morality tends to say, you know what, the pattern that we should aim for is doing better and being better, and the power is us. The pattern is better and the power is us. But Jesus says something different. He says, my love for you is both the pattern and the power. The pattern, love one another as I have loved you. The pattern, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. The power, we have been loved by Jesus. The power, we have been forgiven by the Lord So he's not just asking us to clear the bar in our own strength. He is saying, I have cleared the bar, and I want you on my team. There is a new way of being human now. Infinite love and infinite forgiveness has come into our world. It has flowed from Jesus to us. And his infinite love for us is what becomes the power that allows us to love and forgive each other. Um, I'm a bit of a skeptic and a cynic at heart, so I often answer myself when I'm preaching or preparing to preach. I go, Jimmy, that sounds like a great spiritual idea. Too bad it has no impact in real life. This idea of Jesus having infinite love and that enables us to love each other, that sounds great, but... This room is full of real people who probably aren't going to buy it because they don't see it touching down in real life. Let's see how it does touch down in real life. I want to talk about politics for a moment. If you need a moment to get over the dread, that's okay. (laughs) Notice how Jesus pushes back on everything about our current political climate. People with what I'll call left-leaning politics are typically comfortable talking about the kinds of things mentioned in verse 12. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness. If I showed up at the Democratic National Convention saying those words, no one would go, what's he doing here? It would fit right in, right? People with left-leaning politics seem typically to be comfortable talking about the kinds of racial and ethnic divisions mentioned in verse 11 of the Bible, I should add. Not a political manifest, but the Bible talks about some... Today's vocabulary would be there are systemic wrongs in human life and culture that need to be restored not repaired by human wisdom or human strength, but restored by the life-giving power of the God who made the universe. But my point is, left-leaning folk and their politics would typically be very comfortable with verses 11 and 12 of this text. Kindness, compassion, humility, and let's go find those overarching you know, systemic divisions, and let's work on those. Whereas people with right-leaning politics... Are going to want to steer the conversation away. I know those verses are in the Bible, but can we talk about something different? Right? My light, right leaning politics are, are going to make me want to, I want to be, I want to talk about accountability. So when we get down to this, um, you know, part of verse 13 talking about having complaints against one another and, and forgiveness needing to happen and, and us needing to be forgiven. Oh, now we're in the realm of accountability. People with right-leaning politics tend to be comfortable talking about accountability and tend to be comfortable talking about righting individual wrongs. Notice that verse 13 is talking about individuals in relationship. Bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another. So we've gone from the systemic, human, barbarian, Greek, Scythian, who speaks what language, who's in what ethnicity, down to the, nope, nope, I'm right-leaning, I don't want to deal with all that stuff, can I just sweep that all away, let's just talk about one-on-one, am I a racist? And if so, I'll repent of it, and everything will be good. And then you got the left-leaners over here going, no, 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 That's that's great, but also this. What I want us to see is Jesus doesn't let us choose. He speaks to us, through his apostle, his messenger, his spokesman, Paul. And he says to us, I want to form you into a community where I am the center of everything. Right? Verse 11. In this new humanity, Christ is all. And when Christ is all, in the middle of this new community of people devoted to him then we will be enthusiastic and passionate about all of these things. We will be enthusiastic about things that make us go, ugh, when we think about our politics. (laughs) But when we think about our Jesus, they make us go, okay, Jesus, if that's what you have for me, I will follow you there. And he he doesn't leave us To decide to stop loving each other when it gets hard. Right? There are times when it is hard to love you. And times when it is hard for you to love me. And in those moments, our instinct shouldn't be to dig deeper into ourselves. Show me the eight foot bar and I will find a way over it. No, when it's hard to love each other, the instinct isn't to dig deeper into self. Okay, let's try another strategy. What if I dig deeper into all the things we have in common, all the ways we are alike? That would make it easy for Jew to love Jew and Greek to love Greek and Scythian to love Scythian and barbarian to love barbarian. But that's not what Jesus is after, is it? If I dig deeper into, look at all the ways we're alike and all the things we have in common, then pretty soon my effort at love is just focused on a narrow band of people who speak my language or part of my tribe. They get my jokes. All right, let's try another strategy. Hard to love you. Hard for you to love me. Shall we dig deeper into ourselves? No. Shall we dig deeper into what we have in common? How we were like, no. Well, how about I dig deeper into my political comfort zone? How about I decide, you know what? The reason it's so hard to love you is because you're not worth loving. And I'm just going to give up on it. And I'm only going to love people who think the way I do about politics and society And if you like to talk about all that left-leaning, liberal mumbo-jumbo, I'm just going to go hang out with the right-leaning people. And if you like to talk about all that extremist right-leaning stuff, I'm just going to go hang out with my little tribe over here. And we can't even have a deep conversation about the things Jesus wants us to be passionate about. Because I'm going to give up on loving you when it gets hard. Because you're not enough like me. And I'm not enough like you. How glorious that Jesus says, those are easy ways out. I offer you something better. Don't dig deeper into self. You will run out of resources in a hurry. Don't dig deeper into common ground. You will draw the the circle of love too narrowly. Don't dig deeper into division. That won't produce love at all. Dig deeper into the love that Jesus has shown for us. Dig deeper into the forgiveness that Jesus has extended to us. It's impossible to love each other and truly forgive each other if we try any of these other approaches. But we hear Jesus inviting us and promising that he will be the power we need along the way. This new commandment, love each other as I have loved you. Forgive each other as I have forgiven you. When Trisha and I were on sabbatical this summer, we walked through some Incredibly beautiful places. Sometimes we walk through forests and fields full of bluebells like this. One of God's kind gifts to us, we were just there at the perfect time of year when everything was blooming. Sometimes we walk through uh, fields of canola. Uh, If you cook with canola oil, this is what it looks like when it's in bloom. Um, That's Tricia up to her eyeballs and one of her favorite flowers. Um, and sometimes we were walking through forests like this, uh, lined with just carpet of wild garlic. Um, don't worry, it didn't smell that strong, unless it had rained, and and the rain kind of spread. Yeah, it did smell kind of strong then. Uh, one of the one day when we were walking through a forest like this one, um, Trisha said. Time for the soundtrack. Like occasionally we'd come around a bend or or over a hill and be like, oh, we got to play the Lord of the Rings uh, soundtrack." You know, it's like eh, it's like go over the fence and hear the trumpets playing on the iPhone. You know, and uh, or well, this was one of those moments. Trisha was like, "Soundtrack moment. We have got to play a song. Got to play this song by Andrew Peterson about going down the old roads because we're you're just going through this forest, ancient trees. You're looking at these paths that have been walked on for hundreds or in some cases over a thousand years and you're like let's let's follow the old roads and um something interesting happened as we were doing this oftentimes trisha will tell you i like people ask me what was great about sabbatical i'm like man so much time together with trisha and and she'll go yeah all that time walking together jimmy was about 10 yards ahead of me the whole time um (laughs) Well, if we want to listen to the same song on this little cheesy phone speaker, we've got to walk side by side. And, and suddenly we start walking in perfect rhythm. We didn't even try to. We weren't thinking about it. Normally we would didn't do this. But, but for this moment, we were walking step for step, listening to the beat of the song. And we had been walking for several miles. And we noticed we started walking faster, like normally The further you get into the day of walking, the slower you go. Weird things are happening as this song is playing. We're walking together. We're in perfect sync with each other. And we find ourselves having more energy to walk faster. What's going on? Our walking was being shaped by the same song. Jesus is saying to us today that he will sing a song over us. He doesn't just tell us to do the impossible. He sings a song of His infinite love over us. If you ask this group of people to love one another and don't play any song, we will not walk together. We will not walk in harmony or rhythm. But if you ask this group of people To hear the song of Jesus being sung over us every day, week in, week out, every moment, in promises of forgiveness, in sacraments about his sacrifice and love for us, in prayer, in scripture, in all the things that we do together in life. If we keep hearing the song of Jesus, then incredible and powerful things begin to happen. And people who don't normally walk with that much energy find ourselves walking with more strength. Why? Because Jesus is singing over us a song of his perfect love, a song about his infinite forgiveness. The calling seems to be impossibly high that we could love one another as Christ has loved us. That we could forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. But the one who calls us is singing over us continually about his great love for us. About his perfect forgiveness. This is our hope. This is our strength. This is his song. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, sing your song. Give us ears to hear it. It's not a song about pretend things or legends or myths that never touch down in reality. It is a song about real people fractured by real lies and real selfishness real division and real senses of superiority over those who are inferior. People like that being transformed and becoming a new humanity because of your great love. That's the song we want to listen to, not the religious sentiment that's good to talk about for an hour a week and then evaporates. Give us ears to hear this new song in ways that change our lives. If we've never been loved that way by you, if we've never been forgiven that way by you, would you change our hearts so that we want to give our whole selves to you now and forever? If we have heard that song once, but we have forgotten its meaning... Wake us up today, Lord Jesus, and help us to hear you again singing. And may your song be louder in our ears than any other. And for those of us who are scared at what love looks like in the week ahead, who know that we have to go to someone now and ask for forgiveness, or that we have to go to someone and, and extend forgiveness, and we think it's going to be too hard Sing your song over us so that we can walk in step with you. Amen.